We are The Table and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time and we want to give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope that this message moves you forward. church you can be seated this morning some powerful stories there on the screen which I'm I'm excited about thank you for for sharing how God has answered your prayers um man I'm excited to be here today I'm excited for the series that we're doing um but I just want to say up front uh, by the way my name is Brad and if it's your first time here um, we're glad that you're joining us in person and or online wherever you are today and uh, we, we, we don't expect you to believe what we believe. In fact, um, you have probably lots of questions about God, and you, you may be questioning your faith or where God is taking you or, or what God is up to in the world. But I just want you to know that's where most of us are, and, and that's okay. It's a great place to be. It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to have questions. But we aren't shy about our mission here at the table, and our mission here at the table is to, to guide you into a forward-moving relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And there are three things that we value here at the table that sort of move us into that forward-moving relationship. The first one is, hey, we love to celebrate. We celebrate every single week what God is doing in our lives. Every single week at 10 a.m., that's why we gather here is to celebrate what God is doing. The second thing we do is we move forward. We move forward, whether it's in your life, but ultimately in your faith. We think that you should be taking a next step in your life and in your faith that if you're not moving forward, guess what? You're stuck. You're stuck. And you know what it's like to be stuck in your life. And so one of the ways we believe you can grow in your faith, the best way to grow in your faith is through being part of a life group. Listen, if you aren't discussing your faith, your questions, the thoughts that you have about God in your life with other people, you are missing out missing out. And so I'd encourage you before you leave today to, to, to join a life group. You can join our, through our next steps just when you leave. Say, man, I want to be part of a life group. Hey, I'd like to lead a life group. I have it all together. So I would like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. But we'll, we'll, we'll equip you and help you with that. The last thing we do is we like to get out. We like to get out and we like to, to share our story with other people. And we love to invite people into the story of God. And so, so Christmas, if you haven't thought about this, I know you're thinking about Thanksgiving, but I'm already thinking about Christmas. In fact, I finished our whole Christmas series already, been writing that, done with that. So I'm thinking about Christmas right now. Man, it's a great time for you to invite somebody. Now, there are people in your life who need to know the story of Jesus. And so there's this amazing map out back, and we would love for you to start inviting people for that series and, and we're just asking that you put a dot on the map with their initials 
and a card to let us know who they are. It's right out back. When you walk out, you'll see it. But we're tracking how many people over the course of the year we're inviting because we believe that to be a healthy church, we're going to be an inviting church. Are you with me? So we're going to celebrate, we're going to move forward, and we're going to get out. Today we begin the second part of our series called Don't Take the Bait. Don't Take the Bait. And here's why we're doing this series. Because you will often be offended in life, but how you respond to it determines your future. Jesus was very clear in Scripture that uh, a day will not go by where you will not be offended by somebody. But how you respond makes all of the difference. And, And I think so often that Satan uses this tool of being offended as a way of holding you captive. You see, being offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice that you get to make every day. And it's the difference between freedom and captivity. When Satan uses the tool of offense in your life, it's not to do God's will, but it's to do Satan's will. I don't know, but for me, it doesn't seem like the world is a better place when Satan is running the world. Are we going to be in agreement in that today? I know some of you are looking at your spouses like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Some of you are looking at your friends thinking, yeah, that's right. So this morning, I want to stand for the reading of Ephesians chapter 4. We'd love to stand here at the table because we believe it postures ourselves to read God's word. But we also, we also love to celebrate the fact that we get to hear from God's word. Can I just be honest with you? I listened to last week's message, and when Pastor Jeannie said we love to celebrate that God intends to speak to us through his word, I felt like we were at a funeral. Now, I was going to say we should pretend like we had a Bears game, but it's a lot like a funeral as well. So I can't make the, I can't make the connection. So we're going to pretend like we're at the Buckeyes game. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. We're celebrating that God wants to speak to us today. Here's what he says in Ephesians 4. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This is so key. We'll talk about that in a minute. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building other people up. According to, check this out, their needs, not your needs. Continues, he says, I want it to benefit those who listen. So get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Says it for like the fourth time. I want you to get rid of all of your anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And then he says this, I want you to be kind. I want you to be compassionate. And I want you to be forgiving. Hey, let me remind you that Christ died for you. He came back to life for you. And he has offered you a new life. And by the way, that's how we get to live in relation to other people. That's what Christ gave you. And so that's how we live toward other people. I've entitled today's message, The Bait of Those People. The Bait of Those People. Would you pray for me this morning? God, we thank you for this time to enter into your presence, to celebrate what what you are doing. We thank you for the prayers that you have answered over the course of this last year. 
as I think about the lives changed and those who have been baptized, those who have given their life to you, it is, it is so worth it. So today I pray that you would speak to us about those people in our life that we struggle with the most. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen, amen. You can be seated. So I don't know about you, but I can't stand those people. I don't even have to define it for you, and you already know who I'm talking about. If you don't know who I'm talking about, let me help you out with those people. Uh, Those people are the ones who drive 45 on I-80. And I do not say things like, God bless you and God help you. I do not use kind and compassionate words on I-80 if you drive 45. I will probably put the nose of my Chevy Tahoe in the back of your car. That's how I drive. Those people. I'm human, by the way, just so you know. Uh, Those people um, who, they are the ones who wait in line at Dunkin' Donuts that create a line that goes out onto Ruby Street when I'm trying to get to work. It's all back. Why would you wait for Dunkin' Donuts coffee? I do not know. Those people. Those people are the ones who are going to drop a bomb at Thanksgiving around the dinner table. Uh, You know what I'm talking about? They're going to bring up something stupid. They're going to say something to make you mad and make everybody mad. They just want to ruin the Thanksgiving meal because they hate their life that much. Those are those people. Those people are the ones who, they just, they think they're wise, but they say really stupid stuff on social media. (laughs) Sorry, that was funny. Those people, have you ever had this? Those people are the ones who, who rant about their boss and their job and their family. And like, have you ever noticed this? Everybody gets quiet. And it's like, Everybody knows that they should probably just shut up, but they keep going. And it's like, the only odd one out here is you. Those people. See, you have those people in your life, and here's what I know about those people. Those people make me angry. They make you angry. They make you frustrated. Here's here's what I want you to understand this morning. This is where we're headed today. Um. When anger begins to build in your life, you have already taken the bait. When anger begins to build in your heart and in your soul, and you have this low-grade, I'm mad at the world kind of mentality, I'm just letting you know, it may be, it's not too late, but you have taken the bait. Because your soul and your identity are beginning to change. There's something deep that's taking place that, that you're not aware of, but it's changing who you are. And so that's why I love it. Paul says this. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And he continues. He says, do not give the devil a what? A foothold. A foothold. See, here's what I think about when I think about footholds. I think of a rock wall, a climbing wall, or maybe the fake ones that you go to in gyms. And in in a rock wall, there's like either one little rock that sticks out or they have one little hole that's screwed into a wall that you put your foot on 
to push you up, to propel you up to the next move. But I don't think that actually captures, that captures the essence of this word. So do we have any nerds in here? Are you nerdy like me? I love, I, I, geek, I geek out on Greek. Um, and the cool word that, that is used here is this word topos, which like we get from topographical maps. But the real word means, I love this, it means a room or dwelling place. It's not just a little foothold in a wall. You are building a space for Satan to do his work when you are angry and you are offended. Let me give you a, a let me just give you an example. Let's make it real. This summer when I was on sabbatical, um, I, I just beforehand hated going in my basement. I just did. It was a mess. Um, it was never clean. Never wanted to go down there. It was always cold. You know, I think every bug in the forest lived in our basement at one point. At one point, there was a piece of fuzz. When we were cleaning out, it was either a dead mouse, a dead rat. I don't know what was down there, but the boys had fed it. So it was there. And so I, I just thought over the course of sabbatical, I'm like, hey, I, I want to redo my basement. And so I think we have a video of it for you. This, this, is where, this is where I have made a new space. Somebody said to me, they're like, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a whole new living room. You see, this is where I work out. It's where I do my thinking. It's where I, I write all my messages. That little fireplace that I made, uh, it's where I watch all my favorite sports teams. I watch Manchester City. I watch Borussia Dortmund. I watch Sporting KC. I watch my Buckeyes. I watch the Cincinnati Reds. That's where I watch all my games on Saturday. Like, what has happened over the course of the summer is I have created a room and a space for me to do my work. You see, when you're offended and you're angry, you are making space in a room for Satan to do his work in your life. Are y'all tracking with me on this? And here's what I need you to understand. This is so important because you have relationships with people. You have family members. You have friends. And when you begin to make room for Satan to do his work in your life because you're offended at what somebody has said to you or done to you or you're angry about what's going on, Satan uses this to get at your family, to get at your marriage, to get at your friendships, to get at your relationships. You see, you, you cannot actually build a room for Jesus at the same time that you are making space for Satan. See, you will love one and despise the other. I know Jesus is quoting about money at that moment, but I'm just going to borrow that quote to say, you cannot make space in your life for what Jesus wants to do, what he has called you for, and the mission that he is asking you to step on if you are living with somebody else in your life. And so I want to go back to what Paul says because it's so clear. It's so good. He reminds us, this is who you are. He says, that, however, is not the life that you have learned. When you heard about Jesus, you were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old life 
and to put on your new life. Because your old life is being corrupted by your deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on the new self. Created to be like God. Uh, you might just go back to the early 2000s and put on a what would Jesus do bracelet. You know? I, I wear mine sometimes to remind me what would Janelle do because she's like the wisdom in our family, yeah? Sometimes Jesus makes his way into my mind. But, but I, I just want to say this to you this morning. It's so important that, that you are not the old you. You are the new you. And you were created to be like God. You see, stop giving your attention to things that don't deserve it. Stop walking around with a scowl on your face because those people in your life make you miserable. You were meant for something more. You were meant for something different. You were created to live in the image of God. And in a world where everybody is hating on everybody else, what would it look like in the new image that God has made us in to be kind, to be compassionate, and to be loving? There's just, there's just one problem. I forgot to ask you this question at the beginning. So I'm going to ask you right now. Uh, this is a two-second question. I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I want you to name, I want you to name the oldest piece of clothing in your closet. Real quick. Ready, go. I'm coming right back, so don't take long. Oldest sweater, shirt, whatever it is. I'm coming right back. All right, for those of you with a closet full of clothes that are 30 years old, uh, you can continue this discussion after the service is over. But here's the problem for us, okay? I, I want to spell this out for you. The problem for so many of us is that we are in the business of putting on our old self. <laughs> I love this. Um, we often like to use language of they and those people when we put on our old self. And see, when, when Satan begins to make space in your room, it's not just any room. I like to say it's the war room. For, for those of you who don't know, I was in the Army for 10 years. I've been to combat. I was over in Iraq. Uh, fantastic time. And here's what I know about war rooms. We use, we use language like they, them, and those people. We do. They, them, and those people. Do you know what all three of those names have in common? They're the enemy. And in war rooms, you don't make plans when you're in the army to be kind and compassionate and to love your enemy. You see, when you're in the army, uh, you make plans to destroy things. To destroy people. Are, are, are you tracking with me on this? You see, being offended destroys your life. Let me, let me give you just a real-time example. I love this. This is so good. Some of you all are going to hate me for this. We decided it would be a good idea to start a softball team this fall. Some of you are already laughing because you know where this is going. 
and um, it wasn't a church team. It was just a team with some people who from our church go on it and some friends that are friends of ours who joined the team. By the way, this spring, if you'd like to join us, feel free. But we named our team Marshmallow Unicorn Destruction. Now, for those of you who can't remember that, the, the acronym is MUD. And we played like MUD. Uh, other people used other words not appropriate for this current conversation. Uh, we were terrible. We were so bad that in our season, um, not only did we not win one game, but we didn't even finish a game. Maybe one. I, I had to leave early for that one. Okay, my bad. We finished one we were lucky to get to the fifth inning. It was terrible. We were awful. And I remember one night we were losing 10 to nothing in the first inning. And I was sitting on the bench. And um, I don't want to name names, but Chuck looks over at me. And he says, you know what we need? We need some fly ball practice. Now, here's the thing. Chuck plays in the infield. And if you've played softball before, you know that fly balls go to where? The outfield. Guess where I play? In center field. We're getting to that. We're getting to that. So I'm listening to Chuck, and he says, we need fly ball practice. And I... Look at him, and I say, what do you mean we need fly park practice? You better help me understand. I was angry. I was offended. Like, right, Todd said, I caught every ball. What do you mean I need fly ball practice? I was offended. I was mad. He said, let me rephrase that. We need fielding practice. So the inning, which lasted all of about 30 seconds, was over. And we, Chuck's going to shortstop. I'm going to center. And, um. One of our other outfielders who was not privy to this conversation, who literally could not catch the moon if you handed it to him, says, you know the problem with the game tonight? They keep letting all the balls go out of the infield and into the outfield. Chuck looked at me, and you could like, you could hit the tension with a softball bat. Unless you're on our team. Then you can't hit a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what I noticed. Like, we were self-destructing. The name was fitting. Like, because we were offended and we were using language like they and their problems and they need outfield practice and all that kind of jazz, you, you could sense that we were self-destructing. That's what we'll name our team next year, the Marshmallow Unicorn Self-Destruction. <laughs> and, and as I begin to think about that metaphor, it, three things happened. It, it, it divided us as a team, right? It uh, distracted us from our mission of winning a softball game, <laughs> at least... Getting through a softball game. Did I also tell you we were, not, we were the, not just the worst team, but we were in the worst division. We were like the lowest of the low, which makes us first in the kingdom of God. 
But it distracted us from our mission, which was to win a game or finish a game. And lastly, it, it discredited us as a team. You see, this is what happens in your life when, when you begin to allow people who offend you and the anger in your life to build up is, is, is your life is destroyed. Your heart, your soul, your mind is destroyed. You are giving Satan access to the things that you value the most, and he wants to destroy it. So, so three points here, three points here, real quick. First thing he wants to do, going back to the baseball metaphor, he wants to divide your families, your friends, and your relationships it is easier than ever to be offended. I mean, we're offended about, dare I say it, vaccines, masks, all that kind of stuff. We're, we're offended about you being on the left and me being on the right or me being on the right and you being on the left or you watch that news channel or... Like we're, we're offended. I could you know, I met a guy the other day. He said, I had a friend of 40 years who was no longer my friend. Not by my choice. But he just didn't like a decision I was making about whether to receive something or not. And he just said, fine, I'm, you're not my friend anymore. Loses his brother. Loses his brother. And his friend doesn't even reach out to say, I'm sorry about your loss. You see, when you're offended, it divides your family it divides your friendships. It divides your relationships. And I have had so many conversations with people who are married and people who have been friends for so long that are no longer together. Oh, come on. You know what this is going to be like at Thanksgiving. You're already dreading it. You can, you can sense the tension on the drive over. Oh, great. i got to put up with Uncle so-and-so. The other thing it does is it distracts Christians from their mission. You see, I think anger is a lot like worry. You see, worry just simply wastes what's worthy of your time. And I think what we're often angry about is simply a waste of our time. My son the other day uh, was really angry and upset about the fact that his, the people on his bus, they were doing an evacuation drill and they just thought it was funny, and they were goofing off and throwing stuff. And, of course, the bus driver said, I'm going to report all of you to the principal. So the next morning, we're sitting at the breakfast table, and he is angry about the fact that he's going to get in trouble for something that he didn't do. And I wish I, what would Janelle do? Janelle says, "Hon, I just want to tell you something. It is not worth being angry about. Your day and what is in front of you is far more important than something as that stupid. Don't let your anger ruin your day. But come on, if we look around at Christians around us, most of us are angry. Are we, are, we're angry because somebody doesn't agree with our position. We're angry because, you know, that business supports something we don't agree with. We're angry because, like, the bears always lose. You see, we're mad and angry about things that don't matter. And when you're angry about things that don't matter, you lose sight of the mission that God has for you. Which is the final point, right? It, dis it discredits your witness. You see, 
when you become angry, you are putting on that old shirt in your closet. Some of you have lived long enough to know that fashion makes its way back around. Yeah? That sweater you had 20 years ago is back in fashion. Can I just tell you, don't wear it. Just because it's back in doesn't mean that sweater from 20 years ago is back in. People will know that it's from 20 years ago. It's not flattering. It doesn't help you. It just really discredits your fashion. Can I just say that? In the same way, when, when, when you are angry about something, it discredits who you are as a follower of Christ. It really does. I would never go to a, a fitness instructor who was overweight. I just wouldn't. I'd never take drum lessons from somebody who played the trumpet. I would never take marital advice from somebody who's currently cheating on their spouse. I wouldn't study students in here. I would not study for a history test with people who have a history of getting an F. So if we wouldn't do those things, then why would we expect other people to be drawn into the faith that we claim over our lives? Right, you might claim Christ in your life. You might say that you've put on a new life. But when you are offended and angry, you have put on your old self. And I'm just letting you know, people don't want to be around Christians who are contagious. They are self-centered. They are self-righteous. They are always angry about something that is stupid. It's just not fun, and that's not who we are. Listen, if you want to be angry, go to another church. We will not put up with it here. We just don't have time for it. We think we have other things to do that are more important. Divide, discredit, and distract from our mission. That's what happens. So let me land this. What do we do? What do we do? Where do we go from here? What's the solution to this? How can we live differently in the world? You're saying, Brad, how can you help me today? I'm going to do my best. Here we go. Ready? I want you to spot it, and I want you to squash it. I want you to spot it. And I want you to squash it. Say that with me. I want you to spot it. And I want you to squash it. So let's start with spotting it. How do we spot if we are angry and offended all the time? It's, it's really simple. I want you to listen to the people who are around you. Here's what I mean by that. Character is often revealed through the response of those closest to you. Your character is often revealed by the response of those closest to you. So let me, let me spot it for just a second. Here we go. If you are somebody who can lean into someone who is saying something that you don't agree with, they may have a viewpoint that you don't understand, or you might, they may be saying something like, hey, this is where I stand on this, and you're like, I don't agree with that at all. But you continue to lean in, and you continue to listen. I just want you to know it speaks to your character. If you are somebody who can listen with, with compassion and kindness, it speaks to your character. But here's what I also know. The reverse is also true. <laughs> the other day, uh, I was driving down the street. And, man, we got some annoying neighbors. I'm not going to lie. 
and my sons are in the back seat, and they're, they, they just start spewing, spewing negativity about that neighbor and that kid, which, man, I'm not going to lie. When that kid held a watermelon and was about to throw it at my house, I was like, you better run, son. So they're, they're saying these things about friends and neighbors and people and kids on their soccer team. And I got to say, in that moment, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. Not in them. Because I realized in that moment that they sounded just like me. You see, your character is always revealed by the response of those around you. And the reason I was disappointed was because I realized in that moment, I am one of those people. I am one of those people who's offended and angry and upset and can't stand you, driving me nuts. And it's coming out in my kids' language and the way that they're talking and the way that they're treating people. So you got to spot it. And, and I love this. You, you have to search yourself. I love it what, what it says in Psalms. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And then lead me to the life everlasting. And here's how we squash it. So we spot it by listening to the people around us. And here's how we squash it. Just work on your potty mouth. All of us have a potty mouth. <laughs> and potty mouths don't praise. They always criticize. See, you think potty mouths are about people who are always cussing up a storm. But Paul's pretty clear. You have a potty mouth if, if you're constantly slandering people and it's full of malice and you like to gossip and you like to talk about everyone else except yourself. You're not in the, the business of searching yourself. You just love talking poorly about uh, You have a potty mouth. If you're always criticizing. Do you remember what he said at the beginning? He said, only use words that build others up. For their benefit. Not your benefit. So let me just end it by saying this. You are not the old you. When you met Jesus, you are the new you. You were created in his image to love and to bear witness to the goodness of God. And we don't do that by being angry and offended, but we do it by the way that we listen and we search our hearts and we step into the world and live counterculturally. You are made new in the image of Christ. This morning, I want to I want to end our time together by by participating in the table. Um, what I love about this church, the reason we got our name is we, because we believe that when we look at Scripture, Jesus is sitting around with disreputable characters. I love how that's what Luke says. Um, I know you guys are perfect, but I am disreputable. I will own that. Don't mind saying it. But, but I, I'm standing here today because God invited people like me to sit at his table. And so God is inviting you wherever you are in your life to experience not your old sweater, but something new. And so we believe that as we come together and we sit at the table of Jesus, 
he always offers us his love and his grace. So this morning, would you take the, uh, the wafer and would you be reminded today that, that Christ died for you? The thing that holds you down, the thing that reminds you of who you were and who you are and who you struggle to be, it was all wiped out because of what he did on the cross. So would you take it and eat it this morning? In the same way, he said, my disciples, whenever you're together, I want you to drink of the cup. And when you drink of the cup, I want you to to be reminded that it is my blood that was shed for you. And I know that seems really weird for some of us, but really it's just about the sacrifice that he made for you and me. So this morning, would you take it and would you drink? God, we are so grateful for your love today. I pray that in a season and in a world where all of us are so easy to take the bait of being offended, that we would be challenged to step into the new person that you've made us. I pray that we would engage our friends, we would engage our spouses, we would engage, oh, people that we absolutely can't stand, those people, in a way that reflects you. God, in this moment, I I wanna pray for our families and our relationships. When we are divided, we are distracted, and we are discredited from the things that you're wanting in our lives and those closest around us. I pray that you would build and make whole those things that are broken. Would you give us clarity about who you're calling us to be? God, this week, I pray that we would be challenged to listen to those around us and that we, every moment, we would begin to to say something negative and poor about somebody else that we we would begin to sing their praises. We would begin to celebrate what you're doing in them, that we would think kindly and compassionate about them. And like you having mercy on us, we would have mercy on them. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray this. Amen. 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 If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at The Table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.